And then the five countries that we're going to talk about today um, are Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, which also includes the Galapagos Islands and Peru as well. Brazil, uh, interestingly, the UK fits into Brazil um, about 70 times. So uh, that's the size of just Brazil itself. I love a good travel fact and I love a good podcast, which is handy because this is episode number 14 of the Travel Podcast. And today we're not visiting one country, we're visiting five as we head off to South America. You're listening to The Travel Podcast. Travel Podcast, today's most exciting travel destinations. Brought to you by people with a real passion for travel. Great holiday ideas, real reviews, practical advice, and all the best deals in one simple podcast. The Travel Podcast. Now here is your host, Steve Witt. Hey, Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of The Travel Podcast. And in case you didn't know already, this is the podcast which aims to inspire you with tips and ideas to help you travel the world. And today I'm joined by Matthew and Lauren as we invite on very special guest Jess from Latin Roots as we aim to not just visit one country, but five different countries as we head down to South America and we pack a lot into this episode. But before we get started, here's a quick reminder about our sponsor, Not Just Travel, where holidays are made even better thanks to their multi-award winning travel consultants. And if you're thinking about your next holiday, check out notjusttravel.com and their very special and new book and relax guarantee to give you that special peace of mind you're looking for for planning your next trip. So back to today's episode, and this is a great point to jump in, is Matthew's asking Jess, a special guest, to talk about the destinations we'll be discussing today. And um, just to get started, South America is such a big continent. We're not going to cover all the countries, we're just going to focus on the highlights on five destinations in this episode, but we will be recording another episode uh, later down the line to cover the other destinations. Um, so just to start with, Jess, could you just give us um, a roundup of the countries that make up South America, uh, getting around and getting around the region? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, as, as Matthew, uh, as you just alluded to, uh, Latin America as a continent or South America as a continent is, is a huge place. Um, and uh, there are a number of countries that, that make up South America, but we're just going to focus on five. Um, if, if we're talking about the whole of South America, the destinations, um, so starting uh, from the top, if you were looking at a map, um, you would see that Colombia sits right at the top uh, and uh, next to Venezuela. And then there are three tiny countries uh, to the east of them, uh, which you may or may not have heard of, um, called Guyana, French Guyana and Suriname. Uh, they're very small for South America. Um, below that, the largest country of South America, which we're going to be talking about today, uh, is Brazil. Um, and uh, Brazil, uh, interestingly, the UK fits into Brazil um, about 70 times. So uh, that's the size of just Brazil itself. So uh, you can you can imagine how big uh, the continent is just based on that. 
Um, then if we look um, below Colombia, uh, you've also got the countries of Ecuador, um, south of Ecuador, Peru, um, and then uh, so kind of um, uh, southeast of, uh, of that, you've got uh, the landlocked country of Bolivia. Um, south of that, you've then got Argentina and Chile on the west coast. Um, you've also got very small countries of Uruguay and Paraguay that sit uh, in between as well. So uh, I think I I don't think I've missed any, but that makes up the whole of South America. Um, and then the five countries that we're going to talk about today um, are Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, which also includes the Galapagos Islands and Peru as well. Um, so that's a little introduction into the countries that make up South America. Um, in terms of getting around, um, as I've alluded to, um, it's a huge continent. Um, and therefore, um, just to give you another fun fact, if you were to fly from top to bottom of just South America, so let's say the top of Colombia down to the bottom of Argentina in the south, that would probably, if there was a direct flight, which there isn't, but if there was, you'd probably be talking about 11 to 12 hours uh, in flying time just from the north to the south of the continent. Um, so getting around the region, generally, um, what will happen is if you decide to go on a trip to maybe one or two countries within South America, you will be flying from destination to destination. Um, and that's purely because of the distance. Um, there are a couple of other options. Um, so there are a couple of trains, but it's not really um, that we wouldn't say that there's uh, extensive train travel around South America. Really, the trains are just really for um, getting to highlight places. So uh, places like Machu Picchu, um, there's a, a, um, a train ride um, there uh, and a couple in Ecuador as well. So not really a method of transportation, I would say. Um, however, one thing that I really recommend uh, every time I talk about uh, certain areas of South America especially um, is uh, self-drive and car hire so if you are the type of person that is uh, ind quite independent loves flexibility loves a bit of adventure and likes uh, likes to go a bit off the beaten track as well and um, then car hire and self-drive is a really really good way to see some of the best places in South America countries I'd really recommend um, car hire in places like uh, Europe Uruguay, um, Argentina, Chile, particularly in the southern region in an area called Patagonia, which I think we're going to talk about later anyway. Um, but there are some really, really good um, destinations for it. Ecuador is another one um, where it's great for self-driving. So if that kind of um, kind of excites you and, and you've done self-driving in other countries that you really enjoyed, then perhaps that, that would be a really good way for you to travel around. Um, there are also buses. Um, uh, if any of you have seen the race across the world uh, quite recently on TV, you'll see that um, uh, the way they've they've managed to get from the north to the south is by buses. And this is a very popular way to travel, particularly for locals. Uh, it's a, a cost effective way of traveling uh, long distances. Um, but uh, because they are long distances, the buses are very long. So, you know, you might be talking 15 to 20 hours on a bus. So not suitable for everybody. Um, but certainly an option uh, that Latin Roots can offer, but but also, um, you know, along with alongside uh, um, the, the domestic flights and, and self-drive as well. I think that hopefully answers your question, Matt. No, no, it definitely does. It was just to, I know, like, like I mentioned, it's like how big the continent is. And I know some people have tried to go, oh, 
I'll go I'll go there for a couple of weeks and I'll I'll fit in five or five countries. I'll go to Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, and it's like it's, it's a fair amount to cover uh, in in a couple of weeks or even a week. Uh, well, you need almost like a month or so to to get around, I, I think, um, or longer. But one of the things when I went to Colombia, I thankfully I thought of beforehand was to make sure before checking to fly to the different countries is uh, what you need to do. So I didn't know if or not you had like a must make sure to do once you're booking or to check before you book. Um, we I know someone who didn't wasn't able to travel with us because they they forgot they needed the vaccines um, and the vaccine takes too long uh, by the time they remembered to to process which was yellow fever and rabies um, so they didn't have enough time to get it so they couldn't actually come with us so I didn't know if you had any top tips of make sure check before you travel to South America yeah I mean yeah I mean in general you know uh, South America is a um, relatively easy um, destination to travel to it's not too complex but there are a few things to check so I mean uh, talking about vaccinations as, as you mentioned it um, Matt but um, you know um, generally for the majority of South America your normal travel vaccinations that you would be expected to have that does include rabies as well but your things like hep A um, and tetanus and all those things should be up to date but that's the same as any any travel really um you know that you take so that that's not uh, any different um there are certain destinations uh within the, uh, south america um, and especially uh places like the amazon rainforest which takes up a huge expanse of the uh, the continent um and uh if you are going to uh that region you will need yellow fever and that's probably where the person you know got caught out um but uh but generally um uh, other than that yellow fever you have to be a little bit careful if you're over the age of 65 and you don't have yellow fever um, you would need to check with your GP, but generally, um, that that that's the the general rule. Nothing above uh, above that. However, we would always say check with your doctor or your GP because um, everyone is different. And there are different recommendations based on which destinations you're going to within South America, and of course your age and um, you know and, uh, and and what your your GP would recommend for you. So we always just do say double check uh, with your GP on on that. Um, but there's nothing. Um, yeah, yellow yellow fever is a consideration if you're going to certain parts of South America, but it's not necessary for everywhere. Um, and equally, just to mention malaria um, as well people always think you need malaria um, for the Amazon. It's not mandatory. Um, and actually, the level of mosquitoes in the Amazon rainforest um, is, is very, very slight. Um, and therefore, that's that's not an obligation um, upon arrival to, to have that. Um, so that's vaccinations. Um, the other thing you need to check uh, before travel is visas. Now, um, actually, South America is a really easy destination uh, for UK passport holders, because actually, if you're a British passport holder, Holder, um, you get 90 days on arrival in every South American country. Um, and that means you could go to 90 days to uh, Peru and 90 days to Ecuador um, each. So um, so actually, visa-wise, um, it's very easy. Um, 
there are some taxes um, and it's good to check those before you travel um, either with your travel company uh, if you were to book through Latin routes we would advise you of that or um, or elsewhere um, but uh, there are some taxes that you pay on departure out um, and in uh, so it's good to uh, be able to have cash to hand for those it's very minimal amounts and we are talking um, kind of a, a few pounds but uh, but all the same you know sometimes you get to the airport and you don't have any cash left um, and and then you can get a little bit stuck and um, so that's that's another thing to check um, the other thing is um, oh if you're not a British passport holder sorry I should just say uh, with a visa then you may require a visa to get into certain countries uh, particularly if you've got a US visa um, then uh, then there are visa restrictions and you have to apply for them so if you're a British passport holder which uh, I imagine may most of our listeners are then uh, then then no, no visas required and um, the other thing just to check uh, before you travel is just about uh, you know depending on which destination you travel to um, the language and and any safety tips really but um, you know in general um, you know if you're going to one of the highlight destinations um, then uh, English um, is likely to be spoken if you're going slightly more off the beaten track to one of uh, the more Kind of uh, off the beaten track destinations, then uh, you may not um, not not have uh, English language so easily. Um, so uh, always always good to check um, with with your travel company on that. And the last bit, just really about safety. Um, you know, uh, really it's common sense and and you know travel sensibly. And and South America is a very you know safe place. Um, in in my personal experience, having um, spent a number of years over there and. and been many times so um it really is just um you know uh being alert and and you know um traveling sensibly like you would anywhere um whether it be in europe or or further afield um but uh yeah that uh those are probably the the main things to to check before you travel thank you very much for for that insight and now what we're going to do is we're going to move into what a lot of you list here to listen to, which is um, delving into the destinations that we're covering today. So as Jess mentioned earlier, we are covering Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador and Peru. And we're going to start off uh, in Argentina, which has the southernmost uh, tip of South America, if I remember, and also um, which also has Patagonia, which goes into Chile. So I know you're mentioning that. A little bit ago, Jess, um, as a, a very interesting area of Chile, although we're not mentioning Chile too much uh, on today, I know Jess will go into it a little bit once we get into Patagonia. So if someone's traveling to Argentina, what are the highlights of, of the destination that you would or the country that you would recommend um, when you visit? Well, I mean, Argentina um, is a, an amazing country. In fact, it's where I used to live. So uh, probably the the most uh, biased towards Argentina. Um, but look, it's a massive, massive country. And it's two and a half thousand miles from top to bottom. And because of its size, um, it, its diversity and its landscape is just breathtaking. Um, so from the north, um, you know, it's uh, very desert-like. Um, it's got salt flats in the north, um, desert, arid scenery. Um, and then fly fly down to the bottom six seven hours flying time and you are in um, in uh, a place called Patagonia which you just mentioned and that's where um, you've got 
kind of glaciers and fjords and um, stunning, dramatic Andean landscape. So, um, and, and it really has everything in between. So really, um, Argentina is about landscape um, for me personally. Um, within that, obviously, um, between those uh, kind of that desert and the, those glaciers, you've got um, some, some major highlights. Um, and I would say uh, those kind of major highlights uh, range everything from um, Buenos Aires, the capital, um, which is a really um, bustling um, hub of South America, really. They call it the Paris of, uh, of South America uh, for many reasons, but it's um, very lively. Um, it's, uh, it's got a lot of culture. Um, beautiful architecture from its colonial time, so a lot of Spanish influence. Um, but uh, yeah, that that brings beautiful museums, galleries, buildings, um, old mansions that you can visit. Um, so all of that kind of um, culture um, uh, on top of great shopping, nightlife, um, great hotels, uh, great restaurants, all of those things um, make Buenos Aires um, a real uh, a real hub of a city and, and definitely um, a highlight for me. Um, can catch a tango show, um, which many of our clients like to do. Um, or even learn to tango if, if you're brave enough. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot to do, and uh, Buenos Aires is definitely um, a highlight for me. Um, another region which you mentioned, um, Matthew, was uh, Patagonia, and um, Patagonia is um, is huge huge region it's the about 48 percent um of uh of argentina um and it covers also uh, across to chile as well so patagonia essentially is the southern part of argentina and chile um and what patagonia has is um natural beauty and the landscapes um any anyone interested in um scenery photography um outdoors then patagonia is definitely uh, should be up there on the bucket list because it is stunning um Argentina and Chile, uh, for those of you who don't know, are separated by the Andes Mountains. And the Andes Mountains are so dramatic in Patagonia. Um, obviously, uh, snow-capped snow mountains that separate the two countries. Um, and it just creates a dramatic landscape, but also um, the opportunity for lots of outdoor adventure and activity. Everything from hiking to climbing um, and, and everything, uh, everything else that comes with uh, mountains and lakes and, um, and outdoors. Um, so Patagonia really um, is, is, is beautiful and, and that's where those uh, glaciers and fjords are. So you might be able to take a cruise uh, between Argentina and Chile or, um, or just one country. Um, and it's also the gateway to Antarctica as well, just uh, for reference, the very uh, tip of Argentina, um, the southernmost city in the world, which is called Ushuaia. So Patagonia has, um, you know, uh, kind of 10 highlights within it. Uh, so Patagonia is a huge region, but um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely for me is um, the most stunning, stunning place on earth, Patagonia, and um, really, really is uh, worth a visit. Um, on top of that, I suppose, um, uh, other highlights, um, well, quite a popular thing to do for clients is to uh, visit um, a, an, a local Argentinian ranch. And there are ranches kind of all over uh, Argentina. Um, so uh, not just uh, in the Pampas region, which is the countryside outside of Buenos Aires, so easily accessible from Buenos Aires by road, um, but also places like Cordoba um, and Mendoza, which is famous for, for its wine. Um, but these ranches um, exist everywhere throughout 
South America, but but principally in, in Argentina and Chile, really. Um, and they're old uh, working ranches. Um, and so you can go and visit a farm for the day, a ranch for the day, um, or you can actually stay overnight um, if you want to and get a real insight into Argentinian uh, culture. And their culture on these ranches is very much horse-led. So uh, a lot of them um, uh, offer horse riding, uh, excursions, so walking, uh, bird watching into the mountains, that kind of thing. Um, but also an insight into these working ranches and the animals as well. Um, and there's a, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with um, the word gaucho, but the gaucho is um, an Argentinian cowboy and they're very much still prevalent today in Argentina. So amazing to see um, how they work and, um, and also their relationship that they have with the horses in Argentina, which are, are beautiful animals. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that's a very popular thing for, for clients to do, in fact, um, go and visit a ranch. Um, and also you've got to try a, an Argentinian barbecue, which is called asado. And uh, it's, uh, the, I mean, Argentina have some of the best meat um, in, in the world, um, in, in my opinion. And, and, you know, you can have a big, share a big barbecue with, uh, with the guys on the ranch. And, and that's a really fantastic experience. So something to think about. Um, and then I suppose another highlight that uh, we can't not mention is the Iguazu Falls. And the Iguazu Falls are, uh, as, as the name suggests, um, huge waterfalls uh, that sit on the border of Argentina and Brazil and also Paraguay, in fact. Uh, but mainly uh, we recommend visiting from Argentina and Brazil. Um, and the falls are um, absolutely mind-blowing. For any of you who have visited waterfalls in the past, um, nothing can prepare you for the site of Iguazu Falls because it's over a mile wide um, and is made up of about 275, I think, um, different cascades. Um, so it really is um, a huge site. And there's a, a, a particular spot called Devil's Throat that it's named, uh, which is the kind of um, main, uh, main point where I can't remember how many gallons of water uh, per per second um, uh, kind of fall from, from Devil's Throat, but um, it's astonishing. And it's set in a national park. So the Iguazu National Park um, uh, surrounds the falls. So you get this beautiful kind of uh, waterfalls amongst um, the national park and the beauty of the flora and fauna that exists there. So the birds, the butterflies, the mammals. Um, and it just it's just the most natural, naturally beautiful um kind of um element that, that you'll see in in argentina so definitely should be uh, again top of the bucket list um to, to see the Iguazu falls a country that almost has it always by the sounds of it um and it's so uh, definitely i know you mentioned you lived there but somewhere i want to visit one to tango to to go out into the ranches and the third one is to get down into patagonia and really explore um that region by hikes and that the outdoor activity down there use like you mentioned the views and scenery are absolutely stunning um so i can only imagine how breathtaking every day must have been when you're living in argentina <laughs> indeed yeah and um moving on you from the iguazu falls leads nicely into uh brazil um so i know lauren had some questions about brazil she had some friends that traveled there uh, a few years ago that really enjoyed themselves yeah stephanie thank you matthew um 
Brazil's definitely one of the places that I really want to visit. Um, and I think it's a lot the same for a lot of people. When you think of Brazil, you mainly think of sort of Rio or the Amazon. But there are actually some other kind of key highlights there. I don't know, Jess, if you want to go into those a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, sure, Lauren. Um, I mean, yeah, as you said, um, most people um, associate Brazil with Rio because of uh, famous carnival and, and you know, images. And obviously we had uh, the Olympics and, and World Cup in recent years there as well. Um, and, and Rio itself is, is, is uh, an amazing, uh, buzzing, uh, buzzing city. Um, but yes, you're right. There, there, there is a huge amount that Brazil offers that, that often people don't really uh, know too much. So, I mean, for example, example um actually there's an area called the pantanal uh, which is south of the amazon um and it's the largest wetlands area in the whole of the world um and it's actually the best place to uh, to see wildlife um in south america and, and actually not many people um know that so um yeah it's a, a wetlands area so um it's it's essentially um just um uh, hundreds of thousands of um of hectares of land um that um that is very very uh, sparse it's very remote um you fly in and um the experience works a little bit like um a safari i always explain it so um you go and stay in a lodge um and uh you are a small lodge uh, probably 10 rooms let's say and uh, it works on a full board basis so you stay in the lodge and um the guides of the lodge who are uh, animal experts kind of wildlife experts will take you out on excursions um in the pantanal either by road on four by fours um or on the lakes and lagoons on canoes for example or or indeed on foot um and you'll go out and you will um uh, kind of uh, look for the wildlife and bird life that exists in the Pantanal. And um, the most famous thing that the Pantanal is famous for and, and why it attracts um, uh, a lot of our clients um, is because uh, you get the opportunity to see the jaguar um, in the Pantanal. And there's only a couple of places in on, in South America that you can actually see it. So that's a massive draw. And um, and of course, um, anyone into wildlife should, should check out the Pantanal for sure. Um, other than that, I mean, yes, you mentioned the Amazon. Amazon, of course, um, you know, it's a huge, huge area of land. I mean, it takes up 50% of the entire continent um, and you can actually access it from, from many countries, at nine in total, in fact. Um, and Amazon, again, it's an experience to uh, an insight into uh, the Amazon cultures and the indigenous um, people that live in the Amazon still. There's a, uh, approximately three million people that live in the Amazon. So, you know, it's an opportunity to see, get involved in their community and see how they live. Um, also wildlife and, and bird life experience, of course, um, on top of that obviously we mentioned the glassy falls which um which uh you can visit from brazil so if you're if you're uh going to a trip to brazil we'd highly recommend you going up to glassy falls as well uh, sorry down to a glassy falls i should say um and on top of that you know there are um uh, many many different destinations that you can visit within brazil um don't forget brazil has that really long coastline if you can picture a map um which is about eight thousand kilometers so i don't think that's about five and a half thousand miles that goes all the way around um you know which includes uh, where rio sits as well on that coastline um but along that coastline uh you've got a lot of diversity um you've got um some beautiful colonial uh cities and towns 
grounds, um, you know, old, colonial, beautiful, colourful buildings, um, how you really picture Brazil, I think. Um, so colourful houses painted all different colours on the same street, cobbled streets everywhere, um, beautiful old colonial buildings. Um, so there's a, a kind of a lot of those towns and, and just to name a, a couple, um, Salvador is a, a very popular, beautiful uh, city to, to, to visit. Um, and then you've got places like uh, Fortaleza in the north, um, Parachi, uh, which is a small little town um, south of uh, Rio on the coastline. Um, and in between that, you've got um, kind of that coastline, which offers hundreds, if not thousands, of beach destinations. Um, so uh, again, if if, um, if people are interested in visiting uh, a beach spot and whether that's somewhere with a busy beach with lots going on, with nightlife and bars and, um, and shops and that kind of thing, um, or they want um, kind of a really small, off the beaten track, little island, um, kind of island beach even, uh, or small bay, uh, you know, with maybe one boutique hotel and, you know, not bump into anybody else uh, for the rest of the trip. There are ample, there's ample opportunity to, to um, experience that because of uh, the amount of coastline and the amount of beaches that there, there are along that coastline. Uh, my favourite is a place called Pipa, which not many people have heard of. It's P-I-P-A. Uh, but if you haven't heard of it, check it out because, um, yeah, there's a, a stunning location for, for a beach. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, Brazil also has kind of, uh, you know, countryside. It has ranches like we talked about in Argentina. It has um, national parks. Um, oh, the other place I really want to mention. Sorry, I've just, uh, uh, just remembered um, in Brazil. Um, so there is um, a beautiful uh, place. And uh, in fact, um, in, in uh, Portuguese and in Spanish, it, it translates to beautiful called Bonito. Um, and Bonito is um, the most uh, stunning place for um, uh, for snorkeling uh, and for diving as well. It's freshwater snorkeling. Uh, so um, I'd say it's kind of Brazil's best kept secret, really. Not many people have even heard of it. Um, and it's uh, inland, um, so it's away from the... Uh, uh, away from the coastline quite far from it in fact uh, and you have to fly there uh, but for anybody interested it's um you actually um uh, you actually snorkel in uh, these freshwater caves um and so it's it's just um absolutely stunning and the the um the kind of clarity of the water is is uh, is like nothing else that i've ever seen so um yeah i would really recommend kind of those off the beaten track destinations um as well so uh, yeah plenty on offer in uh in uh in brazil i've just googled uh bonito and it is stunning i want to go there sorry lauren i know you're about to say something but it is unbelievable <laughs> but i could tell you what to talk about it because i know people can't see our camera but matthew's face when you mentioned that he must have googled it straight away <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's uh, you know it's one of, as i said it's kind of a best kept secret it's, it's only you know you'd only know if someone tells you to go there you know it's not one of those places that everybody's heard of um but yes um yeah it's uh, it is it is stunning you're right matthew <laughs> i just wanted to ask you jeff quickly um about carnival sort of when it takes place and how long it does go on for 
Yeah, sure. Um, so carnival. Um, well, if you're talking about Rio Carnival, which I assume um, that that's kind of the 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 main one that everybody that everybody knows, really. Um, so um, basically, Rio Carnival normally happens in February or March, depending on the year. It's uh, it's calculated 40 days before Lent. So that's how they work out the dates. And it's usually um, uh, uh, the one in Rio is usually kind of five, six days. Um, and it really is um, kind of something quite special and spectacular. Uh, the whole city comes alive during those uh, those five, six days. Um, something um, that I think people imagine carnival is, is that uh, they imagine it's kind of um, through the streets of Rio. And um, to be clear, the actual parade itself happens um, in a massive stadium. Uh, think Wembley times three. Um, it's called the Sambadrome. And um, it's, out, it's about half an hour drive from kind of downtown uh, Rio. Um, and you buy tickets to that. So, you, you know, a bit like you would for a football match. Um, and either standing or seated. Um, and then hundreds of um of dance schools um kind of dress up in the most amazing costumes um and uh they parade down it's a one mile long the uh, the actual samba drone so they they parade down the middle of middle of it um and it goes on for obviously uh, i think the actual parade is about three days and and goes long into the night but yeah you've got thousands of of uh, of dancers all in their amazing costumes with their big floats and you know i'm sure you've seen the pictures lauren but um yeah it's it's great fun and with that outside of the actual parade itself the whole of rio comes alive so everybody is on the streets um it's a time where everybody comes together you can see how kind of um animated and welcoming the people are and how friendly it's all about dance it's all about music it's all about color and costume um and you'll just find you know um the most amazing sights so uh you know you stumble across uh, a few um old kind of um old guys playing music on the streets and and dancing with each other and sharing food with friends and family and you know it just really is um I think the epitome of um, what South America is about, which is about its people, it's about its friendliness, um, and it's about family. They're very much in touch and uh, very uh, close to their families there. So um, it's all about those things. And, and so, you know, um, an insight into their culture, yes, but also um, a, an amazing fun experience. And uh, especially if you're into kind of partying and dancing as well, you know, there's things going on 24 hours a day during that carnival period so yeah <laughs> really good whenever fun. i've seen the photos of it it just looks absolutely incredible so colorful and so amazing yeah it is um it's tiring um you know it's uh, <laughs> it is tiring because it's you know you don't want to stop because there's so much going on the whole time but yeah it is it is really good fun amazing so then leading on into our next country is one that matthew and myself both love talking about um we visited october last year which is colombia so when we went we actually did the lost city but we also visited bogota and santa marta um and they were so rich in sort of like culture and history and absolutely beautiful places to visit um yeah. i'll let you talk about it a little bit more jess but something that i want to mention as well when we flew from bogota to santa marta it was only about an hour flight but the weather difference between the two really surprised me. It was so, yeah. so cold, like Bogota, and then boiling hot when we got down to Santa Marta. 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, because, well, there's a number of reasons, really. But, you know, um, it is it is very diverse um, in its landscape, but also uh, because of that in its weather patterns. Um, a, a lot of um, what you're describing is is because of the Andes Mountains that sit in between Bogota and Santa Marta. So uh, almost act as a kind of protector almost from uh from from some weather uh, weather patterns so yeah but it, um yeah again it's it's down to distance as well you know in argentina um you can be in 30 degree heat in the north or th even higher than that 35 degree heat in the north um and and fly down to the south and it's you know five degrees so you know in you know a few days apart so yeah there are there are huge differences in the weather because of the landscape changes but also um the altitude has an impact as well so um bogota is quite high in terms of uh, its altitude um and then santa Mar marta obviously uh, is is much lower um in terms of uh, yeah uh, it's it's so that's why the weather is is quite different um but uh, yeah is is an interesting point lauren that you make about that so uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, very, in very, very interesting. You can have many different, um, many different uh, temperatures within one two week trip, uh, you know, within one country. And we always say just take lots of layers because, you know, you'll probably experience three or four seasons within one trip, uh, which is, is very, very weird. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And um, one of the I, with Colombia, I don't think many people have sort of visited it or thought about going there. But one of the places that a lot of people will know of is Cartagena. Um, yeah. One of the more popular destinations. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, Cartagena is uh, most people have heard of it because it's on a lot of cruise routes. And so a lot of cruises that go from kind of uh, your Caribbean down, uh, you know, down South, down South America or through the Panama Canal um, often stop at Cartagena and sometimes they even um, end there. Um, so that's uh, often why people have heard of it. But uh, but actually, you know, I think a really good way is actually to, uh, to actually stay in Cartagena or do a trip there um, because it's a beautiful city. It's a, a, fort, a fort city. So um, I believe it's uh, 11 kilometers, if I remember correctly, from what the guy told us. Um, but it's a, a city that's sits uh, around a fort 11 kilometers uh, long um, and it was uh, built back in uh, Spanish colonial times um, when when Spain was trying to conquer and um, basically within this fort, forted city uh, it has uh, the most beautiful streets um, mainly cobbled streets really that are just um, lined with beautiful colourful buildings so all different bright colours think uh, yeah think of all your beautiful oranges blues yellows pinks reds all the all the houses are painted different colours um, and uh, then within that there's lovely little boutique shops boutique hotels um, uh, restaurants bars um, and uh, and kind of uh, kind of places of interest such as as a beautiful little art gallery and um, and those kinds of things as well um so yeah it's a, a really stunning place but got very much of a colonial feel and a colonial history to them uh, i really really loved it and of course it's got the weather it sits on the caribbean coast cartagena um one of the only countries colombia along with venezuela that has the caribbean um uh, ocean um and therefore it has beautiful weather and and beautiful um views out over the the caribbean sea um that access 
uh, and you can access then um, lots of little islands off the coast of Cartagena. Um, so for example, the Rosario Islands, which are just a half an hour speedboat ride from Cartagena. Uh, and you can then stay on an island, a Caribbean island, and, and, and enjoy a few days in the sunshine. And, and, and the weather is, is excellent there. So yeah, it's a, a beautiful city, Cartagena, to explore. Um, and then obviously you've got access to uh, beaches from there as well. Um, it's also just to mention, it's actually that coastline there where Cartagena lies on the northwest um, actually has very much of an African influence. So um, you actually um, uh, actually feel more African. The food has more African uh, influences in it. And there's a lot of Caribbean influences as well. So a lot of um, seafood is very popular up there. Fish, um, you know, beautiful, yeah, beautiful uh, squid, I remember, and, and lovely, lovely fresh, um, fresh fish and, and vegetables and um, all, all grown up there. So yeah, uh, great for great Great for food, uh, great for um, culture and history, uh, and great for beach as well, that area. Amazing. I absolutely loved Colombia when we went, but um, the Caribbean coast isn't the side that I've done, so I'm definitely looking to go back and kind of do that side when we are able to travel. Perfect. And, and talking about um, being by the coastline, um, we're going to move into Ecuador, and number one on my list of destinations I need to travel to uh in the future which is the galapagos islands uh, which is part of ecuador um we'll be covering ecuador but i the galapagos for me is somewhere i've wanted to go since i was a child i, I love wildlife i love the water um and if, if you ha if you've never heard about the galapagos islands and you watch blue blue planet um documentary but yeah there's so many documentaries on it but it is the place it's so diverse from from wildlife but also Ecuador itself um, has something that I found very interesting because when I was looking at doing a trip myself to to Galapagos um, is the cloud rainforests uh, of Ecuador um, which was very interesting so as a country it's, it's a lot more diverse than I was expecting um, so I just didn't know if you could go to a bit more detail of, or, some, or, or highlight some more about the Galapagos the cloud forest and what there is to do in Ecuador yeah, sure, Matthew. Um, so, yeah, Ecuador is a relatively small country um, in, in Latin American terms, um, and that makes um, that makes it uh, really easy to travel by road. So you don't need to fly from place to place. It's actually uh, you can actually either self-drive or um, or uh, take a transfer from from the north to the south. And there is actually a train that goes from the north to the south as well. Um, so you, you only actually need a, a few days um, uh, to, to, to experience it. Probably I probably say a week to really see Ecuador and, and its highlights. Um, and if you can picture um, kind of a uh, kind of Ecuador as a small um, a small country, down the middle of Ecuador is what's called the Avenue of the Volcanoes. Um, and um, as it as it um, kind of suggests in its name, um, essentially that is a route. Uh, it's a road or a train um, that passes uh, through from Quito, which is the uh, colonial capital of Ecuador, um, down to the bottom of uh, Ecuador to a 
place uh, called Cuenca and a little bit beyond. Um, but in between those two places, um, you've got a number of destinations that you can stop off and visit. Um, and it's essentially highland area. So uh, it's, um, it's Andean uh, scenery, so uh, mountainous, uh, but very green. Um, so not like when we were in Argentina and it's all snow capped. Uh, it's very green and, um, and lush. Um, but on that route, uh, it's got a number of volcanoes, as the name suggests. So uh, some of them still active, um, some of them not. Um, but it's also got national parks. It's got um, volcano craters that you can um, that you can visit. Uh, it's got beautiful little uh, thermal towns. So there's a beautiful place called Banyos, which is a thermal spa town, and you can go and do all those kind of uh, waterfalls and outdoor spas as well which is uh, is, is really fun um, and uh, you've got a famous volcano Cotopaxi so you can um, uh, climb a volcano um, if you want to lots of outdoor activities Ecuador is famed for its outdoor activities so things like um, river rafting uh, and canyoning and climbing and uh, kayaking all those kind of outdoor activities that you can think of ecuador offers so it's a great place for adventurers um and so that route there um kind of uh, from north to south so from quito down to cuenca uh, which cuenca is also a, uh, a colonial city beautiful um then uh yeah you've got all these amazing stops on route um, and plenty of opportunity for adventure what you were talking about matthew about the cloud forest and um, that's just um a, a short drive about an hour hour and a half north of uh, quito so quito is normally where you would fly into in ecuador and uh the cloud forest is actually north of quito um so uh yeah it's um famed for obviously uh being a cloud forest so the ability to spot particularly bird life, things like hummingbirds um, and beautiful, uh, beautiful creature, uh, uh, birds and, and, and wildlife up there um, in the cloud forest. So you can go and stay in a, a little lodge and, and experience that. Uh, one of the top hotels in the world, uh, which is called Mashpee Lodge, um, is located up in that cloud forest there. Um, so, yeah, great for those people that love, uh, love, love that experience and particularly um for your twitchers or your, your bird lovers as well the cloud forest um and then yeah i mean the, the for me the main highlight uh, is um is the galapagos islands um as you mentioned uh matthew um and the galapagos islands are basically an archipelago off the coast of ecuador it takes about an hour and a half to fly from mainland over to the galapagos islands um, and you can basically experience um, uh, the islands, and there are 14 of them in total, uh, either by boat or by land. So you, there are actually hotels on three of the 14 islands that you can stay in or, uh, or island hop between the three. Um, and uh, it's all about wildlife and bird life in the Galapagos um, that you experience both on land and from the water as well. So whether that's from a boat or also snorkeling opportunities as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, from personal experience, you know, I'm not actually uh, really a wildlife enthusiast. I wouldn't describe myself as that anyway. Uh, I certainly wasn't um, before I went to the Galapagos. Um, and I've been a couple of times now. And every time I am blown away by the sheer quantity of wildlife that there is in the Galapagos. But not just the quantity, um, because you might look out and there might be 
I don't know, a thousand iguanas in front of you. And that is no exaggeration at all. Um, but it's also the interaction that this wildlife has with human beings. Um, you know, they've never been hunted. They're in protected national park. Um, and therefore, they're very inquisitive animals there. And so, you know, they come really up close to you, uh, you know, so you're told never to touch the animals, which you wouldn't ever dream of doing. But, you know, you can't stop them from touching you. And, and I had a few experiences where, you know, um, I was snorkeling and a penguin or a sea lion or a turtle um, came so close, you know, brushed me as I was snorkeling. Uh, you know, so it's experiences like that that you just can't really put into words. Um, and, and, you know, you really do have to go for yourself <laughs> is, is really the, the, the message there. I certainly shall be. It sounds absolutely amazing. The Galapagos one that I've always wanted to do, and I think, like Matthew mentioned, Blue Planet, it's a lot of like the David Attenborough effect, I think, with the Galapagos and sort of his inspiration behind it. Um, so leading on to our last one for today then is Peru. So I don't know why, but it always makes you think of llamas. But I think for a lot of people like Brazil, when they think of Peru, they think of Machu Picchu. But actually, there's quite a few other key highlights um, for Peru. Are you all right to go into those, Jess, and kind of mention what the top things to do there would be? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, um, we'll come on to Machu Picchu. But um, yeah, I mean, there are a huge amount of um, highlights in Peru itself. And, um, you know, I think for anyone interested in culture, the Incan culture, and history of Peru, um, you know, uh, this is probably one of the top cultural destinations within the continent. And probably for Latin roots, it's one of the best sellers as well. So, you know, it's, it's definitely on a lot of people's bucket list. Not only for Machu Picchu though, there are a few major highlights. Um, I suppose the second biggest highlight um, after Machu Picchu um, would be Lake Titicaca. I don't know whether you've um, heard of that, but um, it's essentially the, the lake that um, separates um, Peru and Bolivia and it's the largest highest lake in the world so it's a huge huge lake and on this lake sits uh, a number of islands um, uh, approximately about well I think there's about 70 now uh, it keeps growing um, but these islands are made out of reeds uh, that are from the lake itself and they are inhabited by the Euros people um, and the Euros people are a, a tribe that um, uh, moved on to the lake uh, onto these islands and they are pretty self-sustainable um, and they are indigenous in their um in their background or their history. Um, so you can go and visit these, uh, the Euros people and these islands and get a real insight into um, uh, how they live and, and how they're sustainable uh, from, the, from the lake itself. So uh, it's, it's pretty phenomenal to see in a, a, you know, a million miles away from you know, the modern world, um, even you know, other places in Peru. It's just um, really fascinating to see. So um, definitely that is a highlight for me. Um, and, and you can go and visit, stay, stay locally in a place called Puno and then, and then visit the islands themselves and the people. Um, they also don't even speak Spanish. They have their own language called Quechua, which is uh, really interesting um, as well. So, uh, yeah, lots of in exciting things there. For history and, and cultural, cultural lovers, um, there are 
um, like there's a number of World Heritage Sites and um, kind of UNESCO Heritage Sites and, uh, and other kind of archaeological sites uh, that uh, come along with the Incan period and even uh, and predate the Incans as well. Um, so there's a, a famous place called the Nazca Lines, um, which, um, uh, again, um, a place where if you watch a lot of documentaries, uh, you may be familiar with um, on, on National Geographic, etc. But uh, they essentially... It's it's essentially a desert um, and there's these huge geoglyphs um, uh, which are huge shapes different shapes animals they reckon there's over a thousand of them but they're some of them are like up to a couple of hundred meters in length so you can only view them uh, and they're kind of etchings in the desert and you can only view them really from a uh, from a small plane above um, so again uh, they kind of re reckon that they were created kind of 500 BC, uh, you know, 500 BC. So, you know, we're talking thousands of years, um, you know, ago. So again, that's a really interesting insight uh, into uh, into uh, Peru as well. Um, there's also a few sites um, north of Lima, the capital, places like Corral, which is a UNESCO heritage site. Um, and also um, uh, there's quite a few kind of artisan little towns um, up on up on that that coastline, um, uh, Trujillo, uh, Chiclayo, uh, all of those um, have amazing, amazing um, opportunities to see archaeological sites. Um, one really off the beaten track place uh, that I absolutely uh, must recommend um, in Peru um, is uh, is actually um, a place where you can actually hike in the mountains. It's inland, so it's north. Uh, on the north, in the north, but in the, um, uh, sorry, in the north, uh, but inland, I should say. And uh, it's great um, for trekking. Um, and um, uh, it's, its name uh, is, oh gosh, I've just forgotten the name. That's ridiculous. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it is, what is it? What is it? Uh, Huaraz. Sorry, I apologize. I just came to that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, basically uh, in in the mountain range, the Andean mountain range in uh, in the north, and it's called Paraz. Um, and if you Google it, you'll see uh, that um, it's got the most stunning uh, kind of uh, craters, which are um, kind of bright blue in colour, um, and the most uh, the, the greatest treks. It's really off the beaten track, so it's camping along the way. But yeah, um, Juarez is, is a, a stunning, uh, stunning location. It's like bright blue lakes um, and then the snow-capped mountains, um, you know, uh, all around. So very dramatic, very stunning. So that's my off the beaten track kind of uh, Peru secret uh, place that not many people have heard of. Um, as for um, kind of other destinations, you've got uh, uh, you've got the uh, Sacred Valley, uh, which is um, uh, a place close to Machu Picchu, um, and it's essentially the Andean Valley, um, which is uh, again got archaeological sites uh, of importance, uh, but also it's agricultural land, so there's a lot of um, farms and and um, and farming that goes on. So again. A great insight. Um, yeah, I think they're probably the the highlights, um, other than Machu Picchu, which obviously is the top highlight. Um, and um, it's an ancient citadel built by the Incans about 650 years ago now. Um, and uh, because of that, it's a, a really fascinating uh, wonder, a new wonder of the world. Um, and anyone interested in kind of architecture, um, archaeology, history, um, you know 
will be blown away by by this city it's the most amazing thing about it is that it sits two and a half thousand meters above sea level in the andes mountains um and uh because of that um you know it's amazing to think how the incans actually built it so high up in the mountains um when there's so much stone and so much um so much architecture you know and they didn't have you know any any modern form of um you know machinery or or um or materials to build it with so yeah that's that's fascinating and and you know you go with a guide um and you must go with a guide um that's that's um the law now and uh, and they will tell you uh, you know give you a real insight into into everything you know um the temples that there there's like 12 temples in total you know there's residences where people used to live and they reckon about 600 people used to live there at one time um but yeah and at storehouses where they used to keep their food and you can wander around this whole site um you know and it just you know it puts you in a a place so long ago that you know you kind of forget about about modern the modern world really for a minute but yeah one of those places that that doesn't disappoint it is touristy but but you know um you know i've been a number of times uh, i think six now and every time it blows me away um in terms of uh what it offers and and how spectacular it is so yeah it it, sh it is on a lot of people's bucket list and, and rightly so no so, so i think from from listening over this episode how diverse the continent is but also how much rich history and culture and archae archaeological artifacts and also the architecture of of each country is is breathtaking or stunning like you say you've been to Machu Picchu six times and each time you you, you know your breath is taken away and you get something different from it so I think from a continent it's one that everyone should definitely look to explore and I think from the UK though it's sometimes the last one that people think of going to um but on that, like if someone is looking to, and hopefully been inspired to travel to South America um, after listening to, to our episode today, how long would you recommend on an average length of stay? Obviously, it could be very different for different uh, people's reasons of traveling. But on average, what's the length of stay that you see come through Latin routes? Yeah, I think um, it, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, obviously, it depends on how much time people have and how much they want to see. But I, I think going back to the thing you said at the beginning, Matthew, was, um, you know, uh, it's such a big continent. And, and sometimes people, you know, I think overestimate or underestimate, I should say, how much they can they can actually do. And um, so, you know, on average, I would say a, a, a trip to a country um, would be two to two and a half weeks. Um, perhaps pushing it to three weeks if you wanted to combine two countries that perhaps have a border and are easily combinable. So, um, for example, the out of the ones we've talked about, maybe you would combine Argentina and Brazil together. You might combine Colombia and Ecuador or you might combine Ecuador and Peru because they all have borders and are easily, um, you know, it's easy to transfer between between countries. Um, so really, yeah, on average, I would say two to three weeks um, is a good starting point and will give you a good insight um, into the highlights of a country 
perhaps two. Um, if you want to do any more than that, then you do need you do need more time. And, and my personal advice is don't bite off more than you can chew um, and, and just stick to one country. Um, you know, uh, think about your interests and perhaps what I've talked about today, um, what what country might suit you better to start with. Um, and, you know, whether that's the cultural side of, um, uh, for example, Ecuador or Peru, for example, or the landscapes of Patagonia um, or the beaches of Brazil, whatever it is that's stuck out in your mind, I would pick a pick a destination and we'll build we can build an itinerary and um, build a trip around your interests based on one country, possibly two. Um, and then and then from there, you'll get a really good, um, a good introduction to it. And, and pretty much guarantee that when you go to that South America for the first time, it won't be the first time, even if that's your plan. Um, you will kind of get hooked because there's so much to see and, and it's such a such a stunning stunning destination. I can certify uh, I can definitely testify to that. I know Lauren can as well we, when we went to Colombia and especially I really enjoyed Bogota and the and the um, history and culture around that but I'll definitely be going back to different areas of South America so I think that's a very good point and do not bite off more than more destinations than you can fit into the, the time that you have otherwise you're not going to enjoy yourself um really do delve into the country that you pick and just go back on a couple more holidays is what my recommendation would be um so i just want to say a massive thank you uh, to you jess for joining us today and, and hi giving us some highlights of those five destinations so thank you very much no you're very welcome thanks for having me and thank lauren as always for coming on uh, from the travel podcast team thank you matthew and for those of you who want more details and are interested of in seeing more about the destination, do go to thetravelpodcast.com. Look at the episodes uh, page where we'll have links to Latin routes, um, each of the destinations we've talked about and some of the highlights. So you can really delve into and start planning uh, your own trip to South America. So thank you all for listening. And if you have been listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any other podcast podcast platform please do subscribe and also share with your friends and give us a nice review if you've enjoyed it so thank you very much and we enjoy having you listen again soon the travel podcast is sponsored by not just travel where it's not just travel it's a way of life we hope you like this podcast and if you did please tell your friends but also take a moment to rate us on itunes as it helps spread the word, the word. Thanks for listening.